small moves over massive action. That's a big term in the online world, George, that a lot of online coaches, mm-hmm. quote unquote, and they have to take massive action. I'm like, stop freaking people out. Small moves is actually more important than your massive action. Welcome to The Belief Shift, the show that explores what you really need to know about building a successful small business. I'm your host, Camille Rapaz, small business coach and consultant who spent too much of her career working in corporate business performance. And I'm George Trapeau, your co-host and her brother. I'm a leader in the tech world, bringing my corporate perspective, but mostly my curiosity. Together, we're exploring beliefs about success and how to achieve it, but mostly we're bringing practical solutions so you and your business can thrive. Number three, micro moves over massive action. Hmm. So micro moves is something that I tell my clients to focus on a lot, which is just take the smallest task that is the smallest thing you can define as like taking an action. It's almost embarrassingly small because all that matters in the micro move is that you make movement. I don't care about the size or of the move or the task. Hmm. I care about movement. And the counter to that is uh, you'll often hear people talk about, especially in sort of like personal development spaces and things, you know, you have to take massive action to reach your goals. Not that taking massive action is bad. Like if you can do it, good on you. But if you're waiting to, you have the ability to take massive action to make progress, you might be waiting a long time. We're not all dialed in and ready to make, take massive action because that's a really big leap. It requires taking you know, a big risk potentially. Um, it requires you potentially setting aside big chunks of time to do the work, getting out of your comfort zone. Like massive action is just this like massive move you have to make. That can be very overwhelming for people. And, or it can feel just impossible. Like I'm never going to have, you know, if the massive action that if I've defined my massive action as I need a, you know, a whole day just to dedicate to this thing, when is that ever going to happen in my life? That's where I think it can get in our way. So again, I'm not saying like, if you have an opportunity to take massive action, you should do it, but don't rely on massive action to make progress really rely on daily micro moves to make progress. Actually, micro moves can lead to you naturally taking massive action because it starts to build some momentum. Examples would be, you know, like I said, if you're uh, waiting to do something because you're like, I just need, maybe you're just like, I just need three hours of time in my day and I just can't seem to find it. Or maybe you even get the three hours and you realize, I don't know how to stay focused for three hours. It's not realistic for me. I don't know how to stay on top of it. So there's all sorts of reasons that that might not work for you. So instead of thinking, well, I'm never going to get this done. Like maybe you're like, I got to start writing a book and I need three hours to start writing. And then you're like, well, I'm not. And instead of giving up on writing the book, start writing for 15 minutes and do that consistently. Like if you could just do 15 minutes or 10 minutes every day, I'm just going to spend 10 minutes on this thing. What will happen is you'll start to build up some momentum and some progress that can lead you toward one of those bigger chunks of time or some of that more uh, massive action that you can take. But at least you're starting to make progress on that thing in small bits and pieces. They add up faster than you think, actually. I, this is a, a classic example is just reading a book. Be like, I don't have time to read. People will tell me. Mm. I've had this happen in our membership because we read a book. We almost read a book every quarter. And uh, some people are like, oh, is there an audio version? Because I don't have time to read. I'm like, if you read for just, what is it? 15, 20 minutes every day, you easily read a whole book in a month. It does add up and we just don't, we underestimate what the micro moves can actually lead to. 
So that's why I really try to get people to emphasize working on the micro moves as a way to make progress instead of leaning solely on, I have to take massive action in order for me to achieve my goals. Of all the belief shifts, this is the one that I think I have the hardest, hardest one visualizing. And I think a lot of people have the hardest one believing. Like, I know this is true from my own experience, but it's really hard to visualize. Like, how is it that I can do one small thing and then that gets me to my destination? Like saying to somebody, do like, just start, just do something for 15 minutes. I think people can't see past that first 15 minutes. <laughs> they, they, they can't visualize it. Like, okay, I did this for 15 minutes. Now what? We'll do another 15 minutes. Well, that, now, now it's hard to integrate that a bunch of small actions into a final result. What are examples of things that people could do or people have maybe done in their lives where they've they've actually seen this happen themselves? Katie's nodding. I wonder if Katie has an example. Well, the gold cascade certainly helps with managing the whole situation there. But outside of that, I mean, the first thing, of course, I thought of was, oh, exercise. I used to be able to talk myself into, if you just get on the elliptical, you can get right off. But then I was like, well, I'm in the clothes. I'm on here. Okay, I'll do five minutes. And then after five minutes, you're like, well, I guess I'll do five more minutes because I'm already kind of like, and I think that's sort of the momentum you're thinking Mm. about. And in terms of, let's say my work, I can get into the same thing with a newsletter. Let's say I have what I want to write it about, but now I have to sit and do it. So I'm going to just get there and sign in and have it in the background. Then maybe I'll go walk the dog real quick, come back. Okay, now I'm going to chunk out doing just the intro and then do something else. Then I'll do, you know, everything else and then send it. So maybe it takes all day, but at least it went out, whereas previously it may not have happened at all. Yeah, it's that taking that overwhelming task and breaking it down into small pieces. So yeah, Katie mentioned this goals cascade, which is something I teach my clients to do, which is take a big goal and cascade it down into these small increments of work that they can do. And down even to the point of, if you have to, a micro move, because you're just so stuck and you don't know what to do. So I think when I work with people, George, that's how I answer the question of how do I connect the small things to how it's going to piece together into a bigger one. And there's there's kind of two types of problems that can be probably more than that. But there's two things we're talking about problem solving with this. One is like the book reading is just, I'm telling myself I don't have time. That's a way to take the I don't have time excuse out of the equation and find a yeah. way to do it by rethinking how you use time. Awesome. The <laughs> other part of the equation for this is when you're just procrastinating to do something you don't really want to do, like write my newsletter. You're like, I need to do this. It's very important. I'm not motivated to do it. How do I get myself motivated to do it? I just start chunking it out in these small little tasks that are very doable and I can get through them quickly. And that's the way that I can sort of do and then potentially build momentum onto that bigger thing I have to do. And the other day in the membership, one of our members, she said, I actually had to go to your coaching of pick something embarrassingly small because she was struggling so much. She's like, so I did. I was pretty embarrassed, but it was literally, I'm just going to sit down at the desk to to do the thing. But she said it worked. She was like, it totally worked. I sat there and I was like, oh, I did it. I'm here. But that was literally, she had defined like the very first thing I have to do to make this happen is actually sit at my desk. What's the check mechanism to see if you're doing the right thing? How embarrassed I feel when I'm doing this action? Like, I'm pretty embarrassed. Okay, I think I'm doing it right. (laughs) That is awesome. 
Yes, it was so awesome that she shared it. And she's lovely about sharing all that kind of stuff openly with us in the membership. But it was spot on. And it really, I think, helped everybody else go, well, maybe I'm not going embarrassingly small enough yeah. with how I start. <laughs> you don't have to tell the world that's what you're doing, but just do it. And so then cool. give yourself credit too. Yeah, so this would be the, how you benefit is do exactly what we're talking about. Whatever yeah. you're struggling with, whatever you're hesitating on, whether you're telling yourself you don't have time or you're procrastinating just because you're like, I, I, I just don't even want to do it. You might even be struggling because you're like, I know what needs to happen, but I really don't know where to start. The only way to fit to sort of resolve any of that is but through action, action really can solve a lot of the challenges that we have. So, and if you pick it small enough, then it doesn't feel so risky. So that's the whole point. Pick this tiny little thing. This is when I talk about taking the risky out of business and you take this little move and that removes the risk for you. And then you can actually start making progress. So find the thing in your business that you're hesitating on for whatever reason, and try this micro move thing and try just doing one little thing every day. See how it adds up. That's, yeah. that's the to do. We are on number four, I believe. Cuatro. Cuatro. Planning it over winging it. Uh, this is one of my favorites. So planning it. This is identifying the work that needs to get done, the right work, and then the what, how, and when of doing that work. Winging it is like, I'm just jumping in and doing stuff as it comes at me. I'm reacting to emails, reacting to requests without really thinking about it. I'm just trying to like check stuff off the list, but I'm not sure that all those things are actually important. I'm not prioritizing. And it's sort of this very extreme bias toward action. I'm just going to take action all day long. I'm just going to do a bunch of things, but not with any thought to whether they're the right things. So that's the difference. Winging it. I'm not really thinking about whether it's the right stuff or not. I'm just doing a bunch of stuff. Planning it is actually thinking about what the right things are to do overall. And then in this moment. So my example is, I see this happen a lot for small business marketing, where they're just putting out as much as they can in as many places as they can. It's just like scattershot. I just need to be in all the places and get out there and do a bunch of stuff. But it doesn't have any purpose or objective. There's no... So they're creating a bunch of posts and they're putting, I got my job done because I did five posts on Instagram. And that was my goal. That's just wing. I'm just winging it. I'm just putting stuff out on Instagram. Planning it means, what do I want... Instagram marketing to do for my business? And then what kinds of posts should I put out there in order to get that outcome? Like, mm -hmm. what do I want those posts to look like? And then how often do I need to do it? Right. So then you're making a little plan around it. This also starts getting into strategy, which we'll talk about later. It's a different part of the beliefs, but that's the sort of difference to me of just like, I'm just winging it, doing a bunch of stuff that I think is the right versus I have a little bit of a, a plan around what I need to do and what's important and how I go about that. Yeah. Marketing is kind of the one example I see showing up a lot where I see people wasting a lot of time doing a lot of marketing stuff that isn't actually serving their business because it doesn't have a plan. Okay. So I'll tell you my case for planning it over wing it, which is great. And I actually have something from the software world too. So in the tech world, there's been this huge shift in how we do software development over the last 30 years from what's called the waterfall model, where you specify everything up front, you take months to release stuff and software gets released once or twice a year in long stories versus now. And everybody's focused on agile development where you, you literally stand up every day for 15 minutes to talk about what you're doing. You only think about in like one day increments, which is not actually true. That's not, but if you think in these short periods of time, you could confuse that for winging it. But even in agile development, you have epics and stories. You don't really get anywhere unless you map that to your overall goal or larger goals. You still have to plan. 
which speaks yeah. to the the whole point of the plan is to make sure you're getting the outcome you want. Oh yeah. You can't define what the right work is to do if you don't know what you want that work to lead to. What do you want what do you awesome. want to have happen here? So when you just described the waterfall versus the agile plan, to me both of those are planning. What's happening is they're both identifying the work that needs to get done, but the what how when is a little different. And the cycle of I'll call it the cycle of improving the plan is tighter in agile than it is in waterfall. So there's all these different ways that you can think about planning and we can geek out on that in another episode of just project management and planning on all the different ways to do it. But what matters is that you're applying the right method approach to planning to suit the thing you're trying to do. So when you're in a highly creative space and you're not exactly sure things are moving fast, you're not exactly sure you know, where this is going to lead or what you're going to do, you're going to have tighter cycles of planning and replanning and replanning. But there always should be cycles of that. So there's no such thing as creating a plan and it's set and done and perfect, which I think people think that's what waterfall is, but it's actually not. That's never true either. It's just not as obvious because the cycles are a little bit broader. So all of that is to say, I think you're describing planning it in both of those scenarios. It's just a different way to apply it and how you would do it. And it the contrast is that what you're not doing is when you have a plan, you know where you're headed. And when you're winging it, you don't know. You're just doing lots of things. And so it's sort of this busy culture. Like I'm super busy in my work doing a lot of things. And that makes me feel like I'm successful. Mm -hmm. But as a business owner, if if that's what I do, I'm probably not sending my business in the direction I should be because I'm not paying enough attention that all my actions are actually sending me in the right direction. So the planning, it is really important from my perspective so that you don't have wasted time and effort, especially as a, as a solopreneur, you don't have a lot of time and effort to waste because you're just this one human trying to make all the things happen. So even more important to know it's the right stuff. It's helping you get the outcome you want in the way you want to get it. It's yeah. both of those things. Cause then that's where the time and effort part comes in. Cause there's a lot of ways you could get to that outcome and you could kill yourself doing it. Yes, George, the person in the back row with the (laughs) (laughs) So reconcile for me this belief shift versus the previous one. Yes. As we talk about all of these belief shifts, they're very integrated, right? They Mm. all work together and in concert. So while they can singularly be very powerful, even when we were talking about microwaves, you know, Katie was talking about understanding the gold cascade process. So she's using micromoves in the context of a plan. Okay. You talked about it as in the context of a plan. That's ideal. Ideally, you are doing micro moves in the context of, I have a plan and I know what I got to execute, but I'm struggling for one reason or another to do it. And instead of looking at this giant plan and feeling like, well, I'm going to have to take massive action to get it all done and having that overwhelming feeling hold you back, you use micro moves to do it. Caveat here is if you don't have a plan, if you're in winging it mode, One way to start to get to having a plan is by taking micro moves with your planning. So if you're like, I don't have enough time to make a plan, I don't, I I have to just get a bunch of work done. You can start by just starting to build a plan in small micro moves. Micro moves are not winging it because micro moves should be in the context of, I know what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm just not getting it done. And so it's trying to resolve a different problem than the planning it over winging it. Like the more of these that you use together, the better things get. I would say these are all in service to you having a high-performing business. You adapting these belief shifts, build this whole bigger picture of, this is how I can have a high-performing business. Number five, 
systems over chaos. So systems is basically like a set of principles or procedures or something for how you uh, run your business. It could also be technical systems, but more often than not for small business owners, I think about it as the systems for how you you accomplish things in your business. And it's a way uh, to make sure you're accomplishing those things in a consistent manner that things are running smoothly. That's what systems do for you, which is the opposite of chaos, which is I just randomly do, especially a recurring task that I see business owners just do randomly and differently every time. It's almost like every time they have to reinvent the wheel because they don't Ugh. have a system for how they can do it, right? So it it's might exhausting. be something as simple. <laughs> it is exhausting. And a lot of times the answers are really simple here. So this is a great one for people to not overthink what it means to build little systems. And again, this micro systems maybe should be the way I should think about it. Because mm-hmm. just little mm-hmm. systems, little ways of doing things consistently can make a big difference. So an example might be, you're going to publish a blog. There's a lot of steps involved in that from the outline to the drafting, to getting the headline, to the, you know, getting it uh, edited, to doing the SEO and getting it published ready. I got to pick an image I want to use and lots of moving parts in that. It's not as simple as like, I just write a thing and I stick it out there. If you have a set list of processes that you run through, then that can go fairly smoothly for you. If you don't, and say, you don't remember, wait, how do, what's my login? How do I, if I've got to get into WordPress and I think I put it in here and I don't remember how I do the headline thingy and what button do I push that helps me with this SEO thing? And like, if you just aren't doing it enough that you remember, then every time it's like, you're relearning how to do it and you're wasting time and it's a little chaotic and it'll slow you down. And so that's a great place to just, what's my system for putting out a blog? And that system could be a schedule. It could be a list of here's the tasks that I do. It could be about the actual behind the scenes systems that you're using to get that blog out there. So that would be an example of some sort of recurring task that I think we can tend to underestimate the complexity of doing it. And so we don't bother to actually write anything down or create a a nice system for doing it. And so it just, it's always chaos which also can mean like, then we kind of always dread doing it because it's like, oh, I got to remember this thing. And I forgot my login and blah, blah, blah. You know, Um, (laughs) that happens a lot. It's It's the simple things that really can get in the way. It also could be things like, do I have a solid system for onboarding my clients? Or is every time I do it, so if you're a coach or you're a consultant, you know, they're signing an agreement, you're onboarding them. How does it work? How do they schedule their appointments? Those kinds of things. Do I have a smooth process for that? Or am I, oh, I forgot to send them this thing. Oh, shoot. And I didn't give them the link to the whatever. That's chaos. And it is bad if your client's experiencing your chaos in that way, right? So it's another place. It's really important to have nice, smooth systems for any interactions with your clients. How do you manage systems in your work, George? This is one area where I think I'm pretty good, actually. I'd like to think systematically. And then I have comments about why the benefit for me for doing it and for everybody. I don't worry about building big, complicated systems. A driving principle for me is to try to simplify the system into as few steps, make them minimal. That works for me, but I also think it it makes them easier to construct the systems. Why I do it? Because I've realized a long time ago that systems help you delegate. And delegation is something I work on as a manager. I'm not that good at it. And I realize that if I have a system for something, I can teach it to somebody and then I can have them own it and delegate it. And I think, I'm hoping this is true for small businesses, delegation is your key to retirement. When you figure out you can delegate, that means you can truly 
hand off to somebody else and you can leave it to somebody else and then you can retire, but you can't just hand off without, you can't hand off to somebody and not explain how it works or what to do. So in order to retire, you need to be able to delegate. In order to delegate, you need to be able to explain. The best way to explain is create a system that explains how and what all this that you're talking about. Yeah. The example of, um, you know, being able to delegate is definitely a recurring theme with the small business owners I work with for sure, where they have just a handful of employees or even just one person assisting them. And they're frustrated because it's not going as well as it should be, as they imagined it would be. And I mean, this is also true in corporate leaders. Most of the time it's on them. They're not doing a good job of providing clarity, delegating the work clearly, creating a nice smooth system for how the communication flows back and forth. Um, You know, that's something Katie and I have worked on to make sure that this goes well for you know, what's coming up next? What are the priorities? What do I work on? When does podcast editing have to happen? So building those systems for how you make all that happen. Even as small business owners aren't thinking about it in terms of retirement, I should they should think about it in terms of like, how do I just make my business easier to run? Yeah. And systems are the way and small, simple ones. So that would be the to-do. Like if you want to benefit from this as a small business owner, What's that space in your business that feels chaotic and isn't going mm. well, whether it's how you're uh, trying to work with someone else, whether they're an actual employee or an you know assistant or a contract person, or just some operation in your business that just you're always frustrated every time you go to do it. You're like, oh, this thing again. Take a little micro move, carve out a few minutes to just improve that system in one way. Don't try to build out the whole thing in one fell swoop because that can be frustrating and maybe you'll never do it. But just try to take one part of that, either write a list of steps or just improve one piece of it and see how that goes and then try to build from there. I have an example of a small system uh, within my team, my system for doing vacation time. That's four parts. First of all, the further out you can tell me, the easier it is to get the kind of time you want. So, and then once you, we've agreed you can take um, vacation time, it's three steps. First, tell me what kinds of things are going to come across my desk while you're gone. So, you know, don't surprise the manager. It's always a good rule. Number two, identify your delegate while you're gone and make sure they know they're your delegate. <laughs> Just tell them. <laughs> and number three, uh, send email to your stakeholders before you go. That's it. But that's a little system. And it's very clear. I've written it down. People can understand that. That's that's a system. Good enough. And it works. Yep. Right. And it's so simple, right? It hits all the key points. It's super simple. Yeah. I love that. And I think people can be doing that all over the place in their business. You'd be surprised at just taking a minute to create these little systems and how they, again, all this stuff is like you get cumulative benefits from everything we're talking about. You start yeah. small and you keep doing it and you keep adding to the systems and making them a little bit better and, and adding a little bit more. And it starts to build. This is how we're creating. We're going to focus a lot in this podcast talking about how do you create stability in your business? Small business owners, things that feel really unstable, inconsistent. And I always hear them struggling and wanting to, I, I want more consistent income or I want more consistency in, in just my day-to-day work. I want to be able to rely on my you know schedule of work so that I can plan other things. These are all the ways that you do that. This is how you get to that consistency and stability so that the small business is actually operating in a way that you enjoy instead of feeling like it's constantly just demanding of you. That's yeah. what we're trying to get to. Well, now we've made it through five of our eight belief shifts, but we're going to pause there and we will finish this up. We will finish up six, seven, and eight in our next episode. 
So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss a beat and make sure that you've gone and downloaded the free guide that explains all eight of the belief shifts. And you'll find that link in our show notes. Thanks for hanging out with us. See ya.